to the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading there at verse 1 of Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, and we'll read at verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time together where we can look into the Word of God and consider some of these eternal truths. We know, Lord, that you have inspired this book and you've preserved this book and you've put it into our hands in our own language so that we could read your words. We pray that you'll help us to see how important it is to study carefully what you have to say, that you'll give us grace to glean from these pages and this time together things that will help us to live for you. We thank you so much that you are coming again soon, and we look forward to that day when we'll see our Savior face to face. We thank you, Lord, that there's a place in heaven for us because the Lord Jesus Christ took our place upon that cross, and he said, if I go, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. We're so grateful for the precious promises that can never be broken. We pray that you'll help us, Lord, to build our understanding upon those promises so that we might have confidence to go out and be the witnesses you've called us to be. We thank you so much for the opportunities you give us. You've given us a Christian school where we minister to several hundred young people every single day. We pray, Father, that you'll help us to see that ministry for what it is, a golden opportunity to reach young people for the, for the tr with the truth of the gospel and bring them uh, as much as we can do, bring them into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ who loves them and wants to save them. We pray that you'll bless the various ministries that go out to the nursing homes and, and to, the, to, to the other uh, places around about the community and our individual workplaces where we might go out and, and be ministers for you. We pray, Father, that you'll give us a vision that, like your vision, a heart like your heart, and compassion like your compassion for the souls of those who are going to live somewhere forever, people that we see every day, family members, friends, acquaintances, business associates, everywhere we go are people who will live somewhere forever. We pray that we might have that same love that you have for them, that you would put it in our hearts and make it a, a reality in our thinking, that we might spend the, the time necessary to get alone with you, to understand what your word teaches so that we might clearly express it as we go out into the community. We pray, Lord, that you'll use this place. You have used it for so many years and so many lives. We pray that we would not veer away from the truth which you've given us. We ask that you'll bless us tonight and you'll speak to our hearts. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We have begun a little series of messages in Jonah. And it was some time ago, some weeks ago, when we looked at it for the first time. And in that, in that message, we looked at several things related to the book of Jonah. But we didn't actually get into the text itself too much. We talked about how Jonah was a prophet 
of God. But it's interesting to note that there's only really one prophecy in the whole book of Jonah. Uh, the other prophets we read in the Bible have many prophecies. Uh, and uh, yet there's only one specific prophecy in Jonah. It's in chapter 3 and verse 4 where Jonah says, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And that really is the only prediction given in the book of Jonah. It's kind of interesting. And yet Jonah is a prophet. And the entire book of Jonah is prophetic. It's prophetic in relation to Israel. It's prophetic in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and burial and resurrection. There's many, there are many things that are prophetic here. But it's interesting that the majority of the book is about Jonah and the Lord's dealing with him. But the liberals have attacked Jonah very uh, strongly. Uh, liberal Bible scholars, supposedly, uh, say that uh, they, they uh, turn their nose up at the book of Jonah and the things that it records about what happened with the great fish and how Jonah survived that and came back to, to uh, preach the gospel at Nineveh. And the whole thing is mocked, uh, as it were, by the liberals. But isn't it interesting that the very parts of the Word of God that are mocked and uh, thought to be uh, impossible uh, to the liberal scholars are the ones that the Lord Jesus Christ quotes from in the New Testament. So you go over into the New Testament and read, and you see the Lord himself authenticating the book of Jonah and, and, and mentioning it as, as revealed truth and historical accuracy. And same way with parts of Daniel uh, that are, uh, are, are cast down by the liberals. The Lord Jesus Christ quotes from those very portions in the New Testament. And portions of Deuteronomy are like that, that the liberals think could not possibly have been written by Moses and, and so on. But the Lord Jesus Christ quotes from those very portions. It's interesting how that works. And so uh, the Lord has uh, defeated the councils of those who want to raise up their intellect against the word of God and somehow throw it down. Uh, they themselves are found to be wanting. But that's not our subject tonight. We did look at also the city of Nineveh, uh, where it fit into history as the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And we looked at that empire and how it operated, very ruthless people who ruled by uh, intimidation and by military conquest. And the, the economy of Nineveh and the religion of Nineveh, and we looked at those things as a sort of a backdrop to our studies here. But what is Jonah really all about? Uh, it's not really about the great fish that Jonah was swallowed by. Uh, that's mentioned four times in this little uh, prophecy. And it's not really about the great city, uh, Nineveh. It's mentioned nine times. It's not really fundamentally about even the disobedient prophet himself. He's mentioned 18 times. This, this small prophecy is about the Lord. The Lord is mentioned 38 times in these short chapters, 38 times. And it's about the will of God and how we respond to it. That's what Jonah is about. And it's also about the gospel message and how we communicate it. Those two things are, are, are themes in this, in this small uh, book of Jonah. And tonight we want to look at chapter 1. And in chapter 1, we first of all see that Jonah disobeys the Lord. He has a rebellious heart. I don't know how we could apply that to anyone here, but perhaps, perhaps there might be, you know, someone listening by the sermon audio, but uh, let's look at it. We read in verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, 
that great city and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. God called Jonah to do something for him. And it was pretty clear. Told him exactly where to go and exactly what to do when he got there. Pretty clear message. But Jonah didn't want to do it. He just didn't want to do it. He said, it says in verse 3, he rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, Tarshish, uh, as I look into that and read what people have to say about it, it's not clear exactly where that was, this place called Tarshish. It's, there are three different places that have been offered as possibilities, and uh, the furthest one that's mentioned is all the way out at the end of the Mediterranean in Spain, with some 20, over 2,500 miles from where, from where uh, Jonah received this word of the Lord, and uh, perhaps that's where he was going. But the word Tarshish also applies to any kind of merchant vessel that's going a long way away, in anywhere. Uh, they're called ships of Tarshish if they go anywhere far away to get goods to bring back. And so I also ran into that as I was reading a little bit about it. But whatever it was, wherever this particular ship was going, it was a long way away. And Jonah wanted to go as far as he could away from what the Lord had told him to do. I think we have the same problem. But in the work of the Lord, among Christians, attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. Mr. Creech mentioned it in, in chapel today uh, to the kids as he was speaking uh, there to them. And he said, uh, he said that attitude is everything in salvation. Because coming to know the Lord is about having a, a humility of heart before God. It's not about knowing ever so many complicated doctrines of the Word of God. There's plenty to learn and plenty to understand and plenty to grow from. But getting saved is about having the right attitude toward the Lord. And that attitude, God will bless. He'll draw near to the humble heart. And he'll supply the light, the light that's needed of understanding to come to know the Savior. Attitude is everything in salvation. But attitude is everything in Christian service as well. That doesn't change. Because what we need to know from God, to live for God, we can't receive unless we humble our hearts. As long as we're proud and stubborn and have our own way, we're not going to get anything. We're not going to make any, uh, any uh, progress. We're not going to go forward. Attitude is everything. And Jonah had a bad attitude. He had a bad attitude. And we do too sometimes. A bad attitude about what God had told him he wanted him to do. The Lord called Jonah, gave him clear instructions, but Jonah wasn't interested in that. I've been there, and I know you probably have been too. When the Lord lays something on our heart for us to do, some work he would have us to be involved in, some message he wants us to deliver, maybe not traveling all the way to another city to get it done or, or to preach this particular message that Jonah was given, but the Lord impresses upon our hearts things he wants us to do, to be involved in the work of the local church here, Maybe it's something he's laid upon our heart to, to become a part of and be more interested and involved in. Maybe it's just a matter of giving and the Lord is laying it upon our heart that there's something we need to be giving up over and above that tithe that we already give. Maybe it's, maybe it's a person that the Lord has put upon our heart that he wants us to go speak to. But whatever it is, we might have the wrong attitude about it. We might not want to do it. We might have our reasons for not wanting to do it. And we might be fighting against God. That's a dangerous position to take. Jonah had a wrong attitude toward the will of God. John 4, 34 says, Jesus saith unto them, My meat 
is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That was the, that was the joy and the, and the uh, burden of the Lord Jesus Christ, to do the will of God. Whatever the Lord revealed, the Father revealed to him, that's what he said. That's what he did. And that was his joy. But many times, the, 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 uh, the will of God is not a joy to the Lord's people. It's sort of a, a burden, you know. It's sort of a, something we just have to push through, something we just have to do. And so we grit our teeth and we go forward. But that's not the way the Lord Jesus was. He said, my meat, my food, my nourishment is to do the will of God. We don't get spiritual light unless we humble our hearts before the will of God. John 7, 17 says, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. We can't know what we need to know without the right heart attitude. We can't get any enablement to do the will of God without surrender. Hebrews 13, 21 says, the Lord make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. That's the strength to get it done right there, working in you. He's got to work through us. You can't do that if we have a bad attitude. You can't do that. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so spiritual nourishment, spiritual light, and spiritual enablement to do the will of God all comes from a right attitude toward the will of God. When we're fighting against the Lord, we lose all those things. Was the Lord asking him to do something impossible? No. What he asked him to do, to go to Nineveh and preach, that was, that was possible. It wasn't an impossible thing. The will of God should be to us like delicious, wholesome food. That's what it ought to be. The Lord Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. That ought to be our desire. That ought to be our love. It ought to be our encompassing uh, 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 desire. It should be like delicious, wholesome food. But many times, doing what the Lord has told us to do and given us to do is like choking down some kind of awful-tasting medicine. We're going to take it because we know we've got to take it, but we don't want it. We don't like it. We need to check our attitude about the will of God. Did, did Jonah want to go to the capital city of a fierce enemy of Israel? No, he didn't want to do that. He hated those people. And he knew that they were ruthless and they had been enemies of Israel and done much damage already to places in Israel. Did he want to go and call them to repentance? No, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to see them destroyed. He wanted God to destroy them because they're enemies of Israel. And so his narrow view, his narrow view about the will of God caused him to reject what the Lord told him to do and to go in some other direction. Psalm 33 and verse 11 says, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. And what are the thoughts of his heart to every nation and to every generation? The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's his will. That's his, that's his desire. That's his passion. The Lord wants to see people give up their sin and give up their way, repent of it, and turn toward him and be saved. And, that, and yet, oftentimes our view is so narrow, 
we have a list in our mind of people that we like and people we enjoy ministering to and people that we feel the Lord would have us to, to be a blessing to, but we also have this list of people that we wouldn't mind if they just disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, I'm sure you don't do that, but I've had that. People that I just didn't want to see. And when I saw them, I'd go the other way. I'd cross the street to avoid them or turn some other way. So I didn't have to talk to them. But the Lord convicts you about that, that kind of thing. And he works on your heart. And he shows you that the very people that you have a problem with may be the very ones that you can be some sort of blessing to. You can actually have an influence upon them for his glory if you put your pride aside and just love them for the Lord's sake. Not because they're lovely, but because he's lovely. And he said do it. And that's why it's worthwhile. And so we can think of it that way. He had a wrong attitude toward the word of God. Jonah did. He's had kind of a take it or leave it attitude. The Lord said this, but I don't have to do this. I can do what I want to do. We often have that same wrong attitude. We're interested in the will of God up to a point. The point is where it interferes with what we like to do and want to do and have already planned to do. And at that point, we're ready to jettison the will of God and go some other way. Wrong attitude toward what the Lord said to do. We forget that it's a privilege to hear God's word and know God's will. Somehow, we begin to think it's our right to have God's word and God's will. But our attitude stinks. He, Jonah knew he couldn't escape God's presence by going off to Tarshish, but he thought he could sort of turn in his resignation regarding what the Lord told him to do. Yes, the Lord wants me here, but I feel like I can retire over this way, and it'll be okay. Jonah had a wrong attitude toward the will of God and a wrong attitude toward the word of God and a wrong attitude toward the circumstances that were in his life. He thought they were working for him when they were really working against him. And that's the way deception works. When we think we know what's best and we head off on our own way, everything looks rosy in that direction. Look at Jonah's situation. He rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa, and lo and behold, here's a ship going as far away as he can go. To, there's a ship there already. So this must be part of uh, God's will. So he paid the fare thereof. He had enough money to pay for the, the trip. And so he went down into it to go with him unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He had a, he, everything seemed to be lined up perfectly. And that's the way it will be sometimes. The Lord will give us a little space to go our own way. And it looks like everything's rosy and everything's working out well. And our plan's going to unfold just as we thought it would. We don't need to go to Nineveh. We can go to Tarshish. And it looks like it's all working out so well. He thought those circumstances were working out for him when they really weren't. It was just the right ship going just the right way and just the right amount of money to pay the fare and a comfortable berth. We read on down in the passage where he could get much deserved rest. A false sense of security often attends the self-deceived. We think everything's great. Everything's working out my way. I don't really have to worry about God's word and what his call is in my life. I've got a plan. But, we read in verse 4, but the Lord, but the Lord. That phrase, but the Lord, is, is an interesting study in itself. Not for this evening, but perhaps for yourself. Look up the places where the Bible says, but the Lord. 
There are 48 of them. And every one of them is a, is a message to our hearts. The Lord has a plan, and his will will be done. We remember Psalm 33 and verse 11. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. What he's determined to do is going to be done. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. He's not going to let any disobedient Christian or prophet or anyone else interfere with his purpose for the people of this world. He's going to get his will done. And not only that, he's going to get his will accomplished in the life of the disobedient prophet, as we learn in this, this little book of Jonah. He's going to take care of the believer who's out of the will of God, and he's going to take care of the people who need to be saved, and he's going to do that. He's going to do that because he, he's the powerful and almighty God of heaven. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Jonah thought he could get away with this. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. His plan was falling apart. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship unto the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep, comfortable, comfortable in his choice and not even realizing what was happening around him that the Lord was bringing up a, a storm like these mariners had never seen. It was tearing the ship apart. That's how strong it was. And here he was asleep down in the bottom, unconscious. And that's the way self-deception is. When we start down a path like that, we can become so, uh, so uh, uh, numb to what the Lord's trying to do with us that we think everything's okay still. Everything's all right. But everything's not all right. And we're going to find that out. In this passage, he had a wrong attitude not only not only toward not only not only toward the the will of God in his life and the word of God and a wrong attitude toward the circumstances. He had a wrong attitude toward the Gentile nations around Israel. Help them, Jonah thought. Help them find the true and living God. I'm not interested in that. I'd rather abandon them to their spiritual darkness and destruction. We can have that attitude toward the lost people we know. Maybe those students in our classroom, I know as a teacher, I can develop a wrong attitude toward some of my students who are clearly unsaved and show evidence of that every day. And yet we're laboring toward them. We're trying to reach them for God. And yet they don't know Christ and they prove it every day by their actions and their words. And you can get an attitude toward your students that's ungodly. You can get an attitude toward them that you don't care if they get, you know, their family moves them off somewhere else or they get in so much trouble that they have to be dismissed from the school or, you know, you don't care. If they just go away, you'd be happy. You'd be happy. That was a terrible thing to say, but it's true. And I can have that attitude and you can have that attitude about people in your life. And if you don't let the Lord deal with you about that, you'll find yourself getting further and further out of the will of God, like Jonah here. You'll be kind of numb to it, but the Lord stirring up a storm in your life is going to get your attention. If you won't listen to the word of God when he speaks to your heart, he has to start working through the works of God in the circumstances. And when he does, it can be quite a tempest. The Lord needs the Lord wants in each of our lives, he wants an attitude that's right toward the lost people we know. And the reason why we're not a greater witness than we are is we get this narrow view of the few people that I'm going to 
count as worthy of my attention and the ones that I'm just dismissing out of my mind as unworthy. And so we miss out on many opportunities to be a witness for the Lord. Jonah had a wrong attitude toward the Gentiles. But 1 John 5.19 says, uh, we, can take, we can sort of look at things this way and, and only this way. 1 John 5.19 says, we know that we are of God. We are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. We can, we can take that as our only verse, you know, as though that was the only thing in the Bible. We know that we're of God. We know we're saved. We know that we're on our way to heaven. But this whole world lies in wickedness. And it does. And it does. But that's not the only thing in the book. John 3.16 says, For God so loved that world, that world of people, that world of people who are so uh, enthralled with their wickedness. He loves that world. And he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Lord did that. And that's part of, the, part of the book. We need to understand that and remember that. Jonah had the wrong attitude toward the Gentile nations. And Jonah became a curse instead of a blessing. Look again at verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. There was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said, What meanest thou, O sleeper? What meanest thou? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that, that God will think upon us that we perish not. What a poor testimony Jonah was. In the midst of this situation where they're all about to perish, Jonah is asleep. He, he's not a blessing to the mariners there, to that ship. As a matter of fact, they're going to find out that he's the one that caused the problem. And you can't deviate from what the Lord wants you to do and not have it affect other people. It affected all these people in this ship with him because he was disobedient to God. When we neglect what the Lord has called us to do and we turn our back on it or try to retire from it or try to change the plan, go our own way, it affects everybody around us, everybody around us gets in the midst of God's storm that he creates to get our attention. That's going to be, that's going to happen every time. And you can go down into the sides of the ship and lay and, and be fast asleep, but it doesn't stop the storm. And the people around you can see it. The lost people in this boat had more understanding than Jonah did at this point. And that'll happen to you and I. The lost people around us see it more clearly sometimes than we do. We need to, we need to recognize that that's a possibility. And ask the Lord not to let us get into this state of heart. Jonah became a curse instead of a blessing. He, he lost the voice of God first. The word of the Lord didn't come to Jonah after he changed the plan. After Jonah went his own way. Remember verse 1 said the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. But when he turned his own way and started to run off to, to uh, Tarshish, the, Lord, the, the word of the Lord didn't come to him. The Lord didn't speak to him. He lost that. But what the Lord did was he sent out a great wind into the sea. The works of the Lord is what took, took place. The Lord stopped, couldn't work on Jonah through his word, and so he began to work on him through the circumstances and through the works of God in his life. And the Lord will do that to us too. He'll get our attention one way or the other. The Lord's speaking through his works instead of his word. And everything in nature was obeying God <laughs> except Jonah. Everything was obeying the Lord except Jonah. 
The Lord even spoke to Jonah through these lost sailors. What meanest thou, O sleeper? And people will challenge us when we've got our own, our own direction in life and we're, we're not listening to the Lord. Lost people will challenge us. And they'll say, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you, why are you doing that? Where are you going? What's happening in your life? And uh, it's embarrassing, and yet it's convicting at the same time. Arise, call on my God. And these are people who didn't even worship the Lord. They had their false gods. Every man was calling upon his God, verse 5 tells us. If so be that the gods out there will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, everyone to his fellow, come, let us cast lots, that we, know, we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So now he's being exposed, exposed as the problem in the situation. The Lord has a way of doing that. He'll put his finger on us. He'll expose us. If we choose a wrong attitude toward the Lord, he will expose us. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said to him, Why hast thou done this? Why hast thou done this? And this is what the question that screams out of the, 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 the lives and the, the hearts and minds of the people around us when we're going the wrong way. People are looking at it and saying, what are you doing? Why did you do this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. He finally confessed what was going on and why they were in this mess. And they said unto him, what shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Now, Jonah is no martyr of the faith here. This is not a martyrdom. This is just somebody taking a fatalistic view of the circumstances. And we can do that too. We can take a fatalistic view. Okay, well, the Lord's not going to let me have my way, so I guess that's it. That's the end of things. I'm ready to die. Just take me on out of the world. Throw me over the boat. Throw me over the side. And, uh, and, and that'll be good. So he's no martyr for the faith, taking a stand for what's right and trying to rescue people and being willing to, to give his own life that others might be rescued. He, that's not what's going on here. He's kind of like, uh, kind of like uh, Thomas who said uh, uh, unto his fellow disciples in John eleven sixteen, let us also go that we may die with him. That was sort of a fatalistic view. The, he, he couldn't see any profit in what the Lord Jesus was going to do, and where he was leading them. And he said, let us also go that we may die with him. We're all going to die. That's it. Sort of a, a fatalism. So Jonah takes that view. Throw me over. Throw me out. Uh, that's the only way you're going to, going to fix this problem. But the, look, look at how there's a moral uh, conscience in the, in the minds of even these lost sailors in verse 13. Nevertheless, men rode hard to bring it to the land. They rode hard to bring it to the land. Even after Jonah told them this, they didn't want to kill him. They didn't want to be guilty of murder. They didn't want to do that. They knew in their conscience, even as lost people, that that was not the right thing to do. So they tried to get the boat to the land, but they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, verse 14 says, they cried unto the L-O-R-D, Lord, capital L-O-R-D. That's Jehovah. Back in verse 5, they were crying every man to his God, 
small g-o-d. They were heathen people who had their all kinds of gods they prayed to and worshipped. But now they're praying to Jonah's God. They're praying to Jonah's God, to Jehovah. And they said, we beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. They recognized Jehovah, Jonah's God, as the creator who is in charge of all the circumstances of life. That's an amazing thing. And you have done as it pleased you. You're in control of all those circumstances. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. So Jonah is cast out of the ship. He was not a blessing to these people. He was a curse to these people. And he lost, he lost several things in the, in the process. He lost the voice of the Lord in his life. The word of the Lord didn't come to Jonah. The circumstances of God had to come to Jonah. He lost his spiritual energy. If you look at verse 5, he was down there asleep in the sides of the ship. Proverbs 24 and verse Proverbs 24 and verses 33 and 34 say this, Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. And that can happen to us when we deceive ourselves into thinking that we can make our own plan and, re and reject the Lord. A little sleep, a little slumber, I'm just going to take a little rest. I'm just going to stop doing what God has given me to do, and I'm just going to, to take it easy for a while. A little folding of the hands to sleep. My hands aren't going to be involved in God's work. I'm just going to fold them and take it easy. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth. And you know how travelers come. They come unexpectedly. People show up on the doorstep. You didn't know they were coming. That's how your poverty will show up. And thy want or lack as an armed man. And armed people come with strength to overthrow. And that's exactly what happens in the life of a Christian who is working against the plan of God for him. We need to be praying that the Lord will show us his will and, and give us the wisdom to do it and to keep doing it until he gives us other direction. We need to be asking the Lord not to let us lose that energy that he gives us to live for him. He lost his power in prayer. He couldn't, he couldn't pray in this situation. All these heathen men were praying to their God and so forth, and, and, and they were saying to him, Arise, call upon my God. But he couldn't, he couldn't honestly call upon the Lord, not if he didn't call upon him with confession, call upon him to, to forgive him, call upon him to restore that fellowship that he had once with the Lord. Jonah couldn't pray. And one of the first indications of a decline in our relationship with God is the inability to pray. The inability to pray. If we can't come to the Lord and pray, then something's wrong. And if we find that that's just, you know, something we try to do, but it's just not, we can't do it, we need to search our hearts to see what we are doing. Are we going in the direction away from the Lord, and that's why there's no power in prayer? Jonah also lost his testimony. The Jews had a high calling. They were called in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, to be a blessing to all nations, that's the word to Abraham. Be a blessing to all nations. Jonah was not living up to that high calling. And he wasn't living up to his, to his name very well either. His name means dove. A dove. A dove is a symbol of peace. And he wasn't willing to bring peace to those other nations. He wasn't willing to bring the message of God's gospel to these people so that they could repent and be saved. 
His father's name, Amittai, means truthful or faithful. But Jonah wasn't being a, a truthful, faithful son of his father. Jonah is forced into a confession in verses 7 through 10 here of his, of his rebellion. But Jonah, the rebel, suffered for his sins because the Lord won't let us get away with that kind of thing. The Bible says in Hebrews 12 and verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, for whom the Lord loveth. Does the Lord love his children? He certainly does. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. The Lord will give us a, a serious spanking when we turn the wrong way. And he does it through the circumstances most of the time. The Lord does it through the circumstances. He brings things into our life that will bring us back to himself. They cried unto their gods in verse 5, but they cried unto the Lord Jehovah in verse 14. The sailors recognized Jehovah as the creator, and they recognized the hand of the creator and offered a sacrifice and made vows. But Jonah was a rebel, but the Lord knows how to handle rebels. Look at the last verse of the chapter. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now that'll be subject for our next lesson here, but I want you to notice that the Lord was prepared. The Lord was prepared. He didn't have any, he wasn't caught by surprise by Jonah's plan. He was prepared. And long before, long before Jonah took this course, there was a fish born somewhere out there in the ocean. A great fish grew into a great fish. And that had to all take place before Jonah ever got on this boat or headed toward Joppa or even thought about rejecting what the Lord had told him to do. The Lord already had this fish swimming around out there somewhere ready to catch Jonah when he went over the side. The Lord was prepared, and he always is prepared. The Bible says, The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations. He knows how to do that and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And the Lord was supplying Jonah's need, even though he was a rebel. Luke 15, 7 says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. One sinner, a saved sinner or a lost sinner. When they repent and turn back toward the Lord, it brings joy in heaven. More than over 90 and 9 just persons which need no repentance. It's so easy to get in a frame of mind where we think the Lord is okay with me. And I'm okay with what I want to do, and everything is fine. Don't tell me that I need to get closer to the Lord. Don't tell me there's something in my life the Lord wants to, to remove or something he wants me to do or anything else because I like the way I live, and I'm not changing anything. And if the pressure gets on, I'll just find a way to get away from it. I'll just find a way to get on a ship that's sailing in the other direction so that I can get out of it. What's our attitude? Attitude is everything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the testimony of this little book. We thank you for that it's a historical fact. What happened to Jonah is not a myth. It's not a legend. But it's, it's the his history that you have recorded by your prophets. And you've given it to us to learn what 
the consequences are of our rebellion against you. Jonah was a saved man, a man who knew you in truth, and yet who had the wrong attitude about the things that you told him to do. I don't know what's on the hearts of each one of us tonight, what burdens you might be putting there, what impressions you might be giving us through your spirit, what work you might want us to take up and do, or what person we need to care about and pray for and love and minister to. Father, we pray tonight that you would speak to our hearts, convict us by your spirit, and help us to see those things that are preventing you working in our life the way you would like to. We want to have your power to do what's right and to be a blessing and to reach out with a message of the gospel to those who need it and need to be saved. We pray that you'll help us, Lord. Give us clear thoughts about these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.